Welcome to The Connector, where we connect North Carolina to ideas and North Carolinians to each other. This podcast series is from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. And now to the conversation. Welcome, everyone. I'm James Herrick with the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University, and welcome to The Connector. On February 13th, the Institute brought leaders from across sectors and regions and perspectives together at the 2023 Emerging Issues Forum to discuss how we can better engage North Carolina's untapped workforce by putting the needs of our talent, the workers themselves, first. Our guests today all played important roles leading up to and during the forum. Once again, please welcome Sarah Langerhall, the Director of the Institute for Emerging Issues, Philip Cooper, II's practitioner in residence, and for the first time on our podcast, please welcome Annie Izod, the Executive Director of the NC Works Commission. Now, let's start the conversation. So, Philip and Annie, I'm going to go ahead and start off with you. You were the co-chair, you co-chaired the Talent First Economics Task Force and were integral in planning the form. So what were your top highlights of the day for each of you? And uh, Philip, you go ahead and start. My pleasure. My pleasure. And um, I'm still excited, man. I'm, I'm still on a high from that Talent First Economics Forum, you know. Um, but what the highlight for me, I would just say, like, is, is how consistent it was across the state that community-based organizations were unaware of workforce development resources that were already existing. And, and so I seen, you know, after after learning that, I seen that there's that's a demonstrated need for me to start empowering more community based organizations outside of Western North Carolina. And, and Annie, what, what what were your top highlights of the day? I think the main highlight was feeling that energy in the room with everybody there really understanding each other and really being able to talk about the things that we all talk about in small groups, but we were all together talking about it. Um, So that made me really excited. And I really enjoyed the whole agenda. So kudos to you, Sarah, for putting together such a great agenda. I mean, I felt like I learned a lot of stuff about data and evidence talking about labor markets. Um, But then I also felt like, okay, now I understand some trends in the labor market and the ecosystem around workforce development. And then those breakout groups really getting excited. I got to pop into like three out of the five. I tried all five, but I just couldn't get myself out of the room. (laughs) Um, So really, it's uh, overall the highlight for me is the energy and just the whole agenda and really talking about what we all have been talking about, but everybody together. I'm sorry, I was going to say, and I want to add to that. Um, you know, we, we looked at the, I, I too wanted to hit every single breakout session. And I, I think I did, I think I did make it to all five of them. And what was really interesting to me was the intimacy of the conversation that people were having. I think there was the fact that we had folks with lived experience on the stage talking about their story. And then what I heard from those in the audience was almost this permission, um, or this, um, this ability for them to share their identities. And if y'all remember, because you did the poll, Philip, at the beginning, you know, uh, we asked folks of the, you know, close to 500 people in the room, who in this room has some sort of lived experience related to our five groups we were talking about, children with young families, transitioning military or spouses, um, those with a disability or neurodiversity, those who are justice involved or an opportunity youth, and nearly half the audience, Yeah. right? And we didn't know that going into it. And so I think it just led to such rich discussion. And if, if I had, if there was one negative slash positive 
um, feedback that we got on the evaluations over and over again was they wanted more breakout sessions. They wanted the chance to get together again. So, um, so that I would say, even though James didn't ask me, that's my highlight. <laughs> yeah. no, and, and thank no, I mean, you, sir. I actually, last thing, I really wish it was two days. I think I could have, I could have really had longer conversations and um, I, I more breakout sessions. Agreed. So Philip, you kind of touched on this, but as a change agent and advocate, what did you take away from the forum? You touched on some things, but I know there has to be more. Um, I just have to reiterate, you know, just just the, the demand for educating community leaders, man, and seeing community based organizations as community assets and, and ecosystem. That's another thing that I continue to hear, even with the folks they had that came from Jersey. And um, what was my man's name? Othello. What's his name? Othello. Yeah. Oh man, he was so powerful. That 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 uh um that panel right there. Fellow so Meadows from Meridian Part Blue Meridian Partners. Okay, yeah, yeah, man, it was it was so powerful how they came up there. They did not attend none of our task force meetings, and they were saying the same things as far as like valuing community leaders and making sure you had them at the table to distribute the resources and to raise awareness about the resources. So, it, like I said, man, like the just the lack of awareness for community leaders and the opportunity to empower community leaders which in turns helps the people you did those underrepresented underconnected folks will be connected to resources by those community leaders, those change agents who are fighting by the, for the underdogs. So kind of a follow-up question for you, Philip. So uh, the form has ended, but I know that you had to start forming some connections and, and what are some of the things you heard from some of the <laughs> attendees that will take, you know, send you forth. So uh, for everything from the North Carolina Welfare Advisory Council reaching out to community colleges reaching out to me connecting my own co the community college in my backyard, uh, AB Tech Community College uh, is trying to do more for the students who speak Spanish. And so Carlos, Carlos Cotto is a beast at Lenore Community College with an amazing model. I was able to connect him with Rebecca Lowley and God knows what's going to come out of that connection. So, you know, being able to take what, you know, even what I learned and bringing it back home as well, you know, um, and also uh, connections made talking about the, the justice involved. So I had uh, several people follow up me specifically wanting to talk more about people coming out of prison and people who love that I specifically mentioned black men in mass incarceration, you know, because they, these are topics to where that braided funding conversation, when it comes up, these topics are the ones that you're hearing more in the public health space. And, you know, that was one of our recommendations, you know, to, to go from public safety to public health. And so I had several people that reached out that wanted to learn more and wanted to contribute to, you know, seeking funding and 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 addressing that skills gap for black men coming out of prison back to the community. Exactly. Now, as I kind of stated earlier, uh, both Philip and Annie, you guys were the co-chair of the Talent First Economics Task Force. So and a key part of this year's forum involved reviewing the task force draft recommendations for breaking down the barriers. So. What were those discussions like? What recommendations or feedback surprised you or motivated you in, in a unique way? Uh, we'll start with you, Annie. Sure. Um, well, I think the, the first thing we realized when we started talking about, uh, you know, what the challenges were that each of the groups were facing, uh, you know, in that first initial meeting, we all got together and we started talking about, okay, well, you know, these are the kind of barriers we're facing the, the, the big uh, sort of wide-eye moment was, wow, these are all issues that we're all facing together, right? They're, they're cross-cutting. 
we share those those barriers together and often we have the same barriers, right? We we really do. So it started us to think about recommendations that could really affect all the groups um, and, and really look at it in terms of how can we create solutions for everyone, not just that siloed way of way we've been thinking. Um, it was really an aha moment. And, um, and again, I have conversations about uh, bringing folks on the sidelines, uh, you know, and putting them into into jobs. But we haven't had this kind of conversation, right, where we're talking about uh, with folks with lived experiences who are speaking with other folks with similar but different challenges and lived experiences. And we say, oh, my gosh, there is a way that we can look at solutions together. Um, so I would say that's really important to bring up and in, in really when we were developing those recommendations for the task force. Yeah, and so what about you, Philip? What uh, what surprised you or motivated you in a unique way? And what were the discussions like? Well, um, one of the things that it, being in the task on the task force and looking at how things were interconnected, you know, how there was overlap, you know, with how a justice involved parent or a parent with substance use disorder could impact an opportunity youth. You you see what I'm saying? And so even while on the task force, I opened my uh, mind to say, okay, I can, I can, you know, help create programs that go beyond just the return to citizens. Cause you know, I was gung ho wanting to focus on return to citizens for most of my life because it's a big gap. But while being in the task force, I was willing to even at land of sky, you know, we ends up, we ended up getting a $4 million department of labor grant. You know what I'm saying? Working with uh, opportunity youth. I wasn't thinking about opportunity youth as much myself until I got on the task force and I started sitting down with other people who was passionate about that population. Not saying I'm not passionate because I was at one point in time an opportunity youth, but just saying like in my work, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking as much about it. And that encouraged me to be willing to go for that grant. And there you have it. We have a grant implementing, you know, some of the very things we're talking about at the task force that needed to happen. Awesome. And, and Sarah, I know that you were obviously a key part in, in the task force and attending the meetings. So, uh, you know, what observations do you have, you know, things that maybe surprised you? Yeah. So um, I will say because we, you know, edited the report and a couple of things stood out to me was um, inclusive language and how important that is. Um, and that even I, you know, this has been a learning experience for me. Um, someone who is deeply committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion, that I wasn't always using the most inclusive language. Um, and so, and there's a lot of resources out there. So for example, you know, there are just things we have moved beyond when it comes to the justice involved. Um, even in the early childhood space, right? What, um, there, there's inclusive language that we need to be mindful of. So I think that was something that stood out to me and I hope really takes um, uh, shape moving forward across the state. And the other thing that just really struck me, and, and, and obviously this wasn't a surprise, but it just was reinforced for me, is how deep uh, other organizations and collaboratives have been in, in each of those groups. So, for example, in the early childhood space, right, there are a lot of strong collaboratives and deep efforts that have already been taking place for years and years. And so really being able to leverage that expertise um, as well uh, and, and lift up the great work that they were already doing. Um, and then some really um, were, you know, not as far as long in terms of having these sort of statewide collaboratives. And so for them, it was an opportunity to, to really come together for the first time. So, so we really had a, a mix, right, of where the starting place for each of these groups um, but what I love and what 
you know, Annie already shared um, and others is just the common themes that we saw throughout. And so even these folks who had been meeting, you know, for decades now um, with strong collaboratives took something away from it. And I just think that's so powerful as an organization um, that people could leave our work feeling that it was a good use of their time and that there was some value that they were able to glean out of it. I'm going to move on to the next question here. We know that that funding is very important, and I want to pose this question to Andy. So, so to make some movement on these recommendations, what funding is available and can be sought, and, and how can organizations and advocates and other and people partner to achieve these funding goals to make this movement? Well, that's a really good question, and it's a complicated answer. I really feel that we came out of this understanding that there are a lot of great efforts that are happening sort of in a siloed approach using different, say, federal funding streams that we need to do a better job grading. And we know that. And, you know, I know uh, at the NC Works Commission and we work with Commerce and we work with the Department of Public Instruction, who uses Perkins, which is a federal uh, funding stream. We work with community colleges uh, and we use the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act money. Uh, we need to and we are working collaboratively to do better with grading that funding. And then there's also this, uh, you know, these are there are many philanthropy groups um, that, that work for, you know, uh, different specific issues. And um, but now we need to, like Sarah mentioned, there are a lot of really great things happening, um, you know, in the early childhood space and the child care space. And we do have some strong philanthropy around that. It's connecting them to those community based organizations that want to do the work. Um, and so I think after our discussion on the 13th, uh, I know I had a lot of great conversation around. I know who to facilitate these conversations. I just need to start making those connections. Um, so when you ask about funding, I think it's out there. Um, and as, uh, you know, change agent Philip will tell you, there are, there are grants that we can apply for. Um, and we just, now that we all can collaboratively work on this, I think we'll have a better chance of winning those grants. Um, you know, so, and we, and the better you get at applying for them, the, the more chance you're going to get to get them. Um, so I think that's what, uh, you know, my complicated answer is there's funding out there, but it's from different ways. Um, and we just got to connect them. Yeah. And I would add, you know, just, just continuing to, um, to partner with the workforce boards and, and have those community-based organizations at those tables, you know, educating them about what's available and then, you know, allowing workforce boards to be the lead. I mean, that's what we've done at Landa Sky, you know, with the Inspire Recovery Careers Program that was funded by uh, Appalachian Regional Commission. Landa Sky Regional Council was the lead agency on that. So it didn't bog down the smaller community-based organizations, uh, a business office. I mean, because you got to be administratively ready as well. It's a capacity thing. Um, and, and also, you know, the same thing we did with this Department of Labor grant, you know, we we uh, have the subawardees going to community based organizations. The YWCA is going to hire a female. And my daddy taught me that, which is an inner city uh, um, organization working with the inner city youth. You know, they're going to hire a male to work with uh, the men with the men. And so they didn't have to be the lead applicant. Land of Sky did, you know what I'm saying? And so having those innovative partnerships, those ecosystems, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Everybody plays their part. 
And I, I think we got to get away from thinking that just one organization or one system is going to solve it all. And the more we we leave that mindset, I believe we're getting closer to victory because then it lightens the load for everybody. Everybody plays their part. I mean, like the Power Rangers. You remember when the big old monster came, <laughs> then the Megazord came. The Power Rangers formed and, and let's go. The Megazord was ready to take down that monster. <laughs> and, and that is an analogy we can all relate to if you've seen the cartoon. And That's right. <laughs> So, Sarah, now the dust has settled on the forum, what are the next steps? How do we envision these recommendations becoming reality? Yeah. So um, first, before I answer that, let me say, Annie, I think you're part of this Megazoid and you have earned your change agent status. So I'm going to say change agent (laughs) Cooper and change agent Dr. Izod. Um, But uh, so, James, great question. So um, there's really three main uh, activities that will be taking place from now over the next year or so, Um, in part because of a uh, grant from the U.S. Economic Development Administration that's really supporting this effort. So I want to give a a shout out to them as well. Um, But the very first thing that we're going to be doing is focusing on these recommendations, refining them. And so um, folks at the forum had a chance to learn more about these recommendations, start to have conversation, but not everyone could be at the forum. And so we want to make sure that everybody who has something to say has the chance to say that. Um, Another thing I heard at the forum was, oh, gosh, I really wish so-and-so was here or you know, this organization or this network really needs to be able to lay eyes and get feedback on these recommendations, right? So um, right now, those are available on our website. There's a form that you can use to go ahead and uh, add any suggestions, context, you know, for those of which wordsmithing, inclusive language, for example, uh, that there's an opportunity to weigh in on all of that. Um, And then after March, probably into the spring, we're going to be just refining those recommendations. Um, And then unlike other reports, we fully envision this being a working document because folks in the community are constantly going to be finding um, new programs that that we need to be thinking about or or new techniques or or new partnerships. And so um, I hope that folks will use this as a starting point for conversations in their community and then really look at their unique assets and challenges um, and think about where they want to start. So that's really the goal of this report. It's not the, oh, if you adopt this blueprint, you will have more folks in the workforce. We guarantee it. It's not that at all. It's everyone is so busy. And here is a place, um, you know, a place to start. Um, and and frankly, I, I don't think there is anything that folks don't already know. So perhaps this report could be a really good excuse to, to get started. Um, the second thing we're going to do is figure out what are some um, sort of case studies that we could explore of communities, regional communities that are interested in moving one of these one or more of these recommendations forward. So we right now have a community cohort team of five regional teams. We've got two in the West, I'm sorry, one in the West, two in the Piedmont triad area, and then two in Eastern North Carolina. Um, And for the greater part of like the last six months or so, they've actually been working economic developers, um, workforce developers, and other, you know, community college, four-year colleges, nonprofit institutions, to, to go through this leadership program, right? That's going, that is helping them understand what sort of the different incentives, the different um, partnerships, um, you know, just sort of uh, the different silos in which each of these, you know, kind of groups have been working in and, and showcasing some of those opportunities for them to come together. And we believe, and Annie can speak to this as well, but when workforce and economic developers work better together, 
um, we, we can, that's where a, a talent first approach or a person centered approach can really thrive. Um, so now that they've got this training, this peer learning, this peer sharing, um, we are going to host, co-host actually, some regional action planning meetings in each of their regions to figure out how, how to move one of those, um, at least one of those recommendations forward. And then we're going to be following their progress over the next year. Uh, what, what was, what worked? What didn't work? Where were their roadblocks? Um, who were the, un- who were sort of these champions that just came out of the woodwork that maybe they hadn't thought of? Um, and so we'll be capturing that and sharing those stories um, widely uh, across North Carolina. Um, and then finally, one of the things that we asked our core participants to do, but really anybody um, can do, is we asked our forum participants to make a commitment. So, I mean, I've shared this before. I'm pretty sure I've shared it on the podcast, but our Emerging Issues Forum is not like any ordinary event. It is not a place you go to be talked to or just you're solely there to learn. You're there to learn, of course, but you're also there to network. You're there to engage. And the entire day, we challenged folks to think of what are one or more things that they could do that they could go take back to their community um, to make a difference in, in removing barriers to, for underrepresented workers. And so um, we've got several comment commitments back and our goal is to follow up with them six months down the road to say, what did you end up with? What were you able to accomplish? Um, and we might do that of, uh, you know, all forum participants generally. But um, that that is another way that we are going to be sort of tracking progress, because those are the stories we don't often hear unless we actually take the time to ask. Wow. <laughs> those are some nice next steps. Definitely is going to make things become a reality. So. Um, well, I would like to thank our guest, Sarah Langer-Hall, the Director of the Institute for Emerging Issues, Philip Cooper, II's Practitioner and Resident, and Annie Izod, the Executive Director of NC Works Commission. And I, I do want to thank all of you be, for being here today. I'm James Herrick with the Institute for Emerging Issues. And for more information on all this you've heard today, and as always, please just visit emergingissues.org. Until next time, let's all stay connected. This has been a presentation from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. To learn more, please visit us at emergingissues.org.